can't pull off the miracle mat if you don't get a chance. Wise man once said that. Phenomenal guests. We have our special guest in studio, Lydia Rohde from the Northwestern women's basketball team. And everyone's favorite game, pickup. He got into inbound the ball, had a five-second violation, and went right back to the bench. I went with League of Legends. Let me explain. You can't even find it Googling meteor shower on a sports game. The year was 1999. I was four years old. I was playing rec league basketball. We were up by one. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 for the Sports Voice. Good evening, and welcome to the Sunday Night Sports Block. Matt McHugh here with Tim Hackett on a new episode of It's a Fake. Amit Malik out of town tonight, so Tim Hackett stepping in for an hour of his beautiful voice on the airwaves. <laughs> Tim, how you doing tonight? Doing fine, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, we got for radio. Yeah. Well, oh, man, uh, we got a we got a hot topic tonight, Tim. Uh, Northwestern women's basketball looked like they were going to hold their first L of the season <laughs> today out in Gainesville. Um, they were down, I believe it was nine. With two little over two minutes to go, looking pretty bleak. They needed a basically perfect last couple minutes of regulation to force an overtime period. And then they did. They forced it. They tied it up uh, at 72 all, heading to overtime. And then they dominated in overtime, winning to uh, a final score of 83-74. The Cats are 4-0 and to start their season. A couple Power 5 wins on that schedule, too. A couple road wins against tournament teams. Tim, this, this team looks pretty legit. Absolutely, Matt. This has been a wholly impressive start to the season. There's really nothing else I can say. Green Bay, a perennially ranked team, perennial tournament team, always gives Northwestern trouble. They're always very good. Northwestern opens the season with that win. Duke was an excellent team last year in the top 20 for almost the entire season, if memory serves. One of the best teams in the country as the season wound on. They did lose two really important players, but I thought that Duke was still going to be good this year. Maybe not quite as good, but very good. And like you said, it's a Power 5 win against a ranked team at the time. And then UIC, not much of a contest, admittedly. And then Florida today on the road against another Power 5 team, team that has been good in the past uh there was every chance that this was not a good start to the season for Northwestern but the fact of the matter is four and0 with two resounding wins and two close wins so you've win you've won pretty much every way possible a game tying basket today to send the game to overtime with less than a second left by Jordan Hamilton to tie the game at 72 and then like you said pure domination in overtime 11 to two the margin in overtime you don't see that very often a Fully impressive performance today and a really, really impressive start to the season for the Cats. And this is one, Tim, that I feel like this team is going to look back on at points this year when they're down late in the game and you're thinking, what are we going to do? Especially this one and the Green Bay game, too. In a tight game late, having these wins banked early in the season where you already came back, you already showed your resilience and were able to to come back from a big deficit where, again, it needed to be a basically perfect last couple minutes. They forced some key stops, some turnovers, made the buckets when they needed to, and then you look up at the scoreboard and you got a tie game. This is the kind of game that can build confidence for the rest of the season, especially when you get into Big Ten play. It's a team that in the past couple years has struggled to win on the road. Having this experience 
feel like has got to help them going forward. I couldn't agree anymore. Once you get into conference play, you guys have already talked about on this show at length that aren't too many expectations for Northwestern women's basketball this year in terms of conference finish. But with that said, you guys have also talked about it might be a down year for the conference. There's a lot of question marks for almost every team. So that extends to Northwestern. You have no idea where they could finish in the conference. And if they want to be a top half of the conference team, contend for the NCAA tournament, do well in the Big Ten tournament, which I think should be realistic goals, games like this are going to be have, to have to be what they draw back on. They've already played a really good team in Duke and destroyed them, and now they win against another Power 5 team on the road. You're going to play some other decent, perhaps not amazing teams like Florida once you get into Big Ten play. You're going to have to win on the road in those types of situations. So, yeah, I completely agree. A game like this, a result like this, uh, in overtime, no less, absolutely should serve as a positive point of reflection as the season goes on. And we mentioned the the stat line from Hamilton in this game, that key bucket for her, 16 points to go along uh, on 5 for 11 shooting. Really nice night for her, or afternoon, I should say, for Hamilton out there. But Lindsay Pulliam, too, she's someone who really needed a game like this. Uh, she'd been taking a lot of shots, a high-volume scorer for this team. They rely on her for so much of the offense, um, and she just clicked. She clicked today in 44 minutes out there, dropped 22 points on 10 for 17 shooting, an efficient, efficient scoring day for the Cats' best scorer. You combine that with Palace Kanayakpana doing what she's done every game, another double-double, the Cats have something special there with that combination. Yeah, I totally agree. Palace, I think, is the key contributor there. Uh, she's so invaluable to this team. If they were to ever lose her, uh, which they will next year, of course. But if they were to ever lose her, you would really see a big step down. And that's why there's so much attention paid to the, the foul situations that always occur with players like her. It's not just her specifically, but whenever she gets into foul trouble, there's always that big microscope comes out and you say, oh, you have to be careful. She has to play especially careful because she's so important to the team. But yeah, Polium, if you can get her going and have some variety scoring, just the range that she provides, being able to score from in the middle range. So Palace close range, Polium mid range, and and somebody maybe like Abby Scheid, hopefully Amber Jamison, something like yeah. that, if she can uh, return to the form that she showed two years ago, then you have some range added to that as well. So you've got three layers of scoring there, which is obviously a very good thing. But yeah, Pulliam and Palace together, that's a pretty good one too. And something else we should mention, the Cats down a pair of guards in this game, Veronica Burton and Sydney Wood, both out for the Cats. Uh, and Bertie Galernick stepped up big time for this team today. Uh, they gave her 30-plus minutes out there on the court. Didn't put up the scoring column, but six assists, Tim, giving that the Cats another ball handler, a reliable junior coming off the bench. She can really help spell some of those younger guards, and she's going to play an integral role on this team, even with that younger talent that they've added this year. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that we you mentioned the lack of depth now with the in the guard position for Northwestern, but I think, honestly, for as good as Veronica Burton has looked at times, I think if I can be totally glib, you'd prefer that those two players are out right now and you can rely on your veterans a little bit more. So Galernick barely played at all in the first couple of games, just two minutes, both against Green Bay and against Duke, but now 30-plus minutes in each of the last two games. And I think, honestly, that's okay, having somebody like her now in her third year at the program, having to step up and be that person to come off the bench and run the point, dish out assists, things like that, take a couple odd right. shots here and there. It's better that she's the one forced into that position rather than somebody like Burton coming in as maybe your number three point guard, your top two go down or something like that, and you have to put in a player like her as her as a true freshman. Not slighting her at all. She's looked very impressive in the games that she's played, no doubt about it. Very surprising to me, I would say. But 
having somebody with the experience that Birdie has had on this team, I think is a, you, it puts you in a better position than not. And Birdie's done really well for herself the last couple of games. Career-high nine assists. Last time out against UIC, again, competition there not very strong. But she was good. Again, she doesn't have to be the one to take all that all those shots. You have Pulliam operating at a high efficiency like she was today. Uh, then Galerna can be the distributor, can play some defense maybe, and uh, really just kind of facilitate. She doesn't have to do everything. And now looking ahead for the Cats and kind of thinking on the bigger picture for them, they were ranked. Uh, they were not ranked this last week, but they were receiving votes. They were third in the receiving votes category of the AP poll. Looking at that poll now, when the new poll comes out this week, Tim, there's a decent chance the Cats end up ranked. They needed a couple results to swing their way. Uh, looking at the rankings overall, a couple teams had some rough weeks. Georgia, a ranked team, has a couple losses now. Uh, Missouri with a loss to Green Bay, so common foe for Northwestern. Sure. Marquette, who's on the schedule for the Wildcats coming up, had a loss against Miami. You kind of factor all that in. Tim, I think there's a decent chance the Cats are ranked this week, and even if they're not, they're putting themselves in a great position to be a ranked team in the very near future. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, what more do you want? You've got all these results that we already talked about. Well, I was, I mean, like you guys said on the show last week, I was a little surprised that there wasn't that love, I guess you could say, for the Cats this week. But rankings after the first week of play, no one really cares about it necessarily. So if you can, you know, start getting a ranking whenever and then work to maintain that and improve it as the season goes on, this is obviously a very simplistic point to make, but that's the way to go. So if if that starts this week, great. Then the goal is always to keep that or to get better. I've seen that in volleyball this year. There have been some teams that started the season like not ranked or at the bottom, and then they've improved that ranking every week. And to me, that's the sign of a really good team. So for me, it hasn't been the case recently, but Michigan was a team like that this year they started uh, I think really at the bottom of the polls but started working their way up as the season went on got to as high as about 11 or so they've been bad recently so not a very good example but they improved or stayed at the same ranking all year yeah and that to me is the sign of a really good team rather than if you start at 20 and then you're in and out and somewhere around there at, at that position all year that shows that just tells me that you're inconsistent so that team is improving I think that's uh, Northwestern should shoot for something like that as well and again credit to Joe McEwen for scheduling the non-conference schedule that he did power five teams even bad power five teams like Florida who won only three SEC games last year still a road win against a team like that they're gonna have a decent RPI just because they play SEC teams the entire second half of their schedule they're not going to tank your RPI playing yeah. a less talented Power 5 team like that. Uh, and especially the road games uh, at Green Bay, too, earlier. That's a big game to schedule for them. Then Duke for the Welsh Shrine opening. Coming up later, Marquette, too, is another one to watch. DePaul, they play every year. This is a very good non-con schedule. It's winnable games for the Cats. You're not overwhelming yourselves with teams you have no chance against. But these are games against competitive teams that are going to have good computer numbers by the time selection selection time rolls around in March. Yeah, I agree. And that's, I mean, here's another simplistic argument to make. I don't see why you wouldn't schedule decent teams in the non-conference. This extends to everything. Now, obviously, it's nice to have a, a day off, quote-unquote, here or there. But I think some men's basketball programs can learn from that as well. You know, I don't want you to schedule a cupcake game every week right. for the non-conference. Again, here and there, it's nice to get your bench involved. It helped to establish some roles and identities and things like that. I think that's extremely valuable, especially for an inexperienced team like Northwestern men's might have. 
but you got to play some decent teams at some point to try to actually, you know, test your metal a little bit, if you will, get you set for games that actually really matter. So I think the women's team is doing it right. I mean, they've had one poor opponent in UIC, might have one or two more coming up before that Las Vegas trip, but uh, in in, in mid December. But overall, this is a really good non-conference schedule, and most importantly, they've gotten the results that they needed in the schedule. So looking ahead to the Wildcats, the week coming up, they'll host UT Martin uh, coming up on Sunday. So a little break for the Cats for Thanksgiving. I'm sure that will be well appreciated mm-hmm. by them. Uh, and then after that, Pitt comes to town for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, and then the games before finals week break uh, at the Paul and then Marquette coming here. So out of those slate, Tim, the at the Paul game is the biggest one for Northwestern. But Marquette, also a ranked team, at least as of this week, uh, that's another game for the Cats at home. Another ranked team at home, just like they did with Duke uh, a couple weeks ago. Some good opportunities for the Cats in the next couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And DePaul is the big game, like you said. They're 1-0 heading into this week, but their only game this week, they lost to Notre Dame. No surprise and no shame there. 101-77, to though, was the final score there. 101 put up by Notre Dame uh, against a team against a good team in DePaul uh, a perennially good team one that's good again as well so that is going to be a real test for Northwestern no doubt about it and then, like you said Marquette started this week 3-0 and their only loss this week is to Miami which is a solid team this year as well I don't expect Marquette to fall out of the top 25 this week no idea you know what the future holds for them but before they come here to face Northwestern in a couple of weeks but those are two more really good games probably better games than this Florida game was and Northwestern needed overtime to win it. All right, last one, Tim. I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Uh-oh. The Cats are 4-0 to start their non-conference slate. They have seven more non-conference games. What's their record at the end of non-con heading into that Rutgers game on December 28th in the start of Big Ten play? I think if you know if you got 11 total non-conference games and you start 4-0 as the Cats have, I think I I, I really think they could conceivably be nine and two. Yeah. After I mean, we just mentioned those two games that are probably going to be the hardest. At DePaul, not an easy task at all by any stretch. Then home to Marquette, we'll have to see a little bit on that. Uh, but I think there's every chance that they win all of the other games. It's a little bit of recency bias out there, I fully grant you, but that rec- but the recency bias shows me a, go- a excellent win over a really good Duke team and two gritty wins on the road against a very good Green Bay team and a mediocre Florida team. Those yeah. are impressive results. I don't think that I, I think a nine and two non-conference record is extremely conceivable. I'm with you. I think nine and two is certainly in play. I, I might be a little more conservative and just say eight and three right now because winning out in Las Vegas, Definitely. the duel in the desert, might be a little tricky. Washington State had a double OT thriller against Nebraska last night, so you know this is that's going to be a competitive team. The Wichita State and Kansas aren't great. Uh, Marquette, DePaul, even Pitt, their Power Five team, not a good one, but. As we saw today with Florida, they can give you a game. Uh, and I think that's the thing with all those Power 5 teams, even the ones that aren't that good, especially on the road, man, they'll, they'll give you a game. Uh, and that's something that Northwestern, you're going to have to grind out some of those wins. But either way, I think 8-3, and 9-2 and two at the end of non-con, you're sitting very pretty heading into the start of Big Ten play. Yeah, absolutely, especially like we mentioned with people didn't really know how what to expect out of Northwestern this year, both internally and externally, and you know outside of the on the ether of this conference. They didn't know what to take, what to think of Northwestern this year. So if you finish non-conference with already two quality wins against Duke and Green Bay, if that's how you finish, even if you don't, you know, get another quality win against a team like DePaul or Marquette, it's a really good start to the year, and you should be fully encouraged by that. 
take a quick break here on It's a Fake, and when we come back, we'll take a little bit look at uh, some other college sports, notably college football, coming back after this. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people. Now we've got Matt McHugh and Zach Wingrove. Amit Malik is also in the studio. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles. That they never could. We will run through the whole bracket until we determine the Sports Voice After Dark Athlete of the Year for 2017. In time, you will know what it's like to lose. And thus, in a three strikes you're out world, Sports Voice After Dark now has two strikes against it. Fun isn't something one considers when balancing the universe. But this <laughs> does put a smile on my face. Or are we like, what if we try? Well, actually, actually, if we want to punch us bad, we, we punch it since bad. This is Sports Voice After Dark. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called Life. Back here on It's a Fake, Matt McHugh and Tim Hackett. Here with you, first show of the Sunday Night Sports Block. We just broke down some Wildcat women's basketball. Now, Tim, transitioning things over to Wildcat football. You were on the scene in Minnesota. The Wildcats knocking off the Golden Gophers there. They now have the outright Big Ten West title uh, with that win. And this was a win, Tim, that the Cats had already locked up the Big Ten West, but important for the Cats still because when it comes to bowl selection, that's not a game you can drop if you still want to be playing in a premier bowl game. That's not the Rose Bowl. That's not an automatic bid. Yeah, absolutely, Matt. And I, would, I said this at the very end of our broadcast yesterday, but if I'm totally honest with you, I was concerned about this game. because After the grind-out game that you got to see last week against Iowa where Northwestern had to really give it their all for the entire game against a solid Iowa team that's really good on defense, uh, they had to run it a lot uh, against an absolutely massive uh, front unit for Iowa. I was, and, but Northwestern got the win, 14-10 to 10 in a classic Northwestern-Iowa-style uh, football game. After that, I was concerned about the type of effort, the type of team Northwestern would bring to Minnesota over this weekend. And you throw in all of the injuries that they had, three uh, starting members of the defensive backfield out. I was very concerned with how the game would look. But I'm on, I, was on, I was a completely honest assessment. I'm going to be honest again when I say I was fully impressed with yep. how Northwestern played yesterday. I really can't tell you any glaring deficiencies. Obviously, there are things that, that need to be improved, but there's nothing that I was looking at that I said, wow, that was really bad. That strikes me as you know as a major deficiency for this team. I thought it was a comprehensive win against a far inferior team, I grant you, but a comprehensive win and one that Northwestern really needed to have to continue to maintain that momentum, if you believe that exists, and, and maintain its position in the national eyes. That's a great point, Tim, that, yeah, Northwestern, I was kind of with you. I thought that a lot. I think a lot of people were thinking, even even the money line was thinking, it shifted all the way yeah, to exactly. Minnesota minus one at kickoff, and I'm sitting there like, this is a team that came into this game 2-5. and five. Now they're at 2-6 and six in conference play. Minnesota got boat raced by Illinois, 55 points given up there. 
was it just an overreaction to the Purdue game? Because otherwise, I'm thinking this Minnesota team doesn't have that much talent on both sides of the ball. They have some playmakers on defense, but overall, this is a team that still has a long road to go under P.J. Fleck before they become a legit serious Big Ten contender. I think there probably was a little bit of overreaction based on the previous week, but I think it's hard not to because Minnesota looked really good the previous week against Purdue, completely outclassed the Boilermakers in all facets of the game. And We've seen Purdue obviously very early this year. We saw Purdue beat Ohio State not very long ago, so that win for Minnesota last weekend looked really impressive. And I say again, being totally honest with you here, every facet of the game, Minnesota looked better than Purdue, especially on the lines, especially the defensive line for Minnesota looked excellent against Purdue. And that did not materialize against Northwestern at all yesterday. And I've been as critical of the offensive line over the last few years as perhaps anybody on this campus. Uh, And overall, Northwestern's offensive line held its own against Minnesota's defense. Uh, Most of their key contributors in that regard did not do very much. The defensive line was not really a big factor, and Northwestern's defensive line was. Uh, They only had four sacks, and most of them came towards the end of the game. Four sacks is a really good number, but most of those came towards the end of the game. My point is they gave Tanner Morgan no time to operate. So we mentioned all during the week and on the broadcast yesterday that Minnesota has a really good medium to downfield passing game with guys like Tyler mm-hmm. Johnson and a host of other wide receivers. And Tanner Morgan has looked decent in the games that he's started at quarterback the last four weeks now for Minnesota. Uh, but he barely had any time to operate and hit guys for medium to deep routes yeah. because his, the defensive line for Northwestern really hassled him throughout the entire game. So, just again, short answer for me is I was impressed. Northwestern played a really good, complete game. I'm with you there, too, that this was a solid performance by Northwestern and one that they can hopefully build off of with this week coming up against Illinois and then, of course, the game we have to talk about, the Big Ten championship game against either Ohio State or Michigan uh, in two weeks. And, Tim, let's start with that because who's Northwestern going to be playing in that game? Well, it all comes down to that Ohio State-Michigan game this week. It almost didn't because Ohio State and Maryland got into a very interesting game uh, in overtime. Maryland barely, barely losing that one at the end. Uh, So it does, in fact, come down to Ohio State-Michigan. From a neutral perspective, well, I guess not really neutral, but (laughs) from from more of a fan's perspective, I kind of like that, even though it would have been cool to see Ohio State lose to Maryland. At the same time, I like having that Big Ten East spot come down to one game, the big rivalry game, national TV, this weekend coming up. That game is going to have so much intrigue and so many storylines, college football playoff implications, Big Ten championship game implications, the rivalry as a whole. If both of those teams had two wins apiece, they'd still be caring a lot about that game because those teams hate each other. It's all perfect, and that's kind of the ideal college football game for me, at least regular season-wise. Absolutely. This is perhaps, I mean, I don't want to be reactionary, but this is probably the best, it could conceivably be the best game of the season, yeah. just in terms of the hype and all those implications that you said before we get into those playoff games in a couple of weeks. But just, there's absolutely no doubt about it, about the, the absolute magnitude of this game and the repercussions, the ripples, I guess, that uh, that the, that that will, that will <laughs> profligate, I guess, from the results of this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and, I mean, all eyes are going to be on it, I imagine, around noon uh, in Columbus, and they really should. This is a really good game. You mentioned that Ohio State-Maryland game. Uh, I heard somebody whispering about it when Ben Krieger and Andrew Fenichel and I were walking through the annals of TCF Bank Stadium. Somebody said, oh, you know, Maryland just scored. 
And I said, okay, you know, big deal. But, you know, then I pulled up the game on my phone, and the three of us watched it in the bus as we were waiting for the team to leave uh, because we understood the magnitude of it. Uh, so we got everybody in the back, you know, all, all the cheerleaders, some of the staffers, uh, were, some of them at least were watching the game with us as well yeah. because they understood the magnitude of it as well. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Maryland and Matt Canada, the interim head coach, used to be an uh, uh, offensive coordinator at NC State. Um he went for two, which is what Ben Krieger told him to do. So he got those, you know, he got his signal yeah. from however many miles away. Exactly. Uh, he said, "Go for two because it doesn't matter if you lose. So go for two and try to get that. Try to, you know, clinch the win." And that was what Maryland tried to do, and they missed. Uh, well, it was a good play. The guy was, was open good, in missed, the end zone. He just, he just missed him. Missed the receiver. In the That's end what zone. makes it sting so much. Is that they? They was a good decision. Yeah. It was a good play. Everything was perfect. You had the man open in the end zone, but. You know what? It's sports. It's college football. That kind of stuff happens. Um, so a brutal loss for Maryland there. Uh, but as I said earlier, this sets it up for even more fun Michigan-Ohio State game this week. Michigan opening up as a four-point road favorite at the Horseshoe. ESPN's matchup predictor has got a 54% chance of Michigan winning this one, coming down almost to a toss-up there. Tim, what's your initial reaction? Who you have an edge for in this game? 11 a.m. kick, Central yeah. Time. Uh, games at Ohio State, Michigan ten and one right now. They're fourth in the college football playoff ranking. Ohio State also ten and one, but with that conference loss to Purdue. It's interesting that that matchup predictor is at fifty four percent for Michigan, which, like you said, it pretty much equates to a toss up. And the line is minus four, which is obviously close, but I think that's a you know, for a road a, team too. Yeah, just, I think that's a decided edge for Michigan, like you said, especially as a road team. So that line would certainly indicate more of a favoritism for Michigan, in my opinion, than at fifty four percent. So I find it interesting that there's a little bit that much of a disparity there. I think it might be overreaction again to the game from the previous week. That's what we tend to right. see happen at this point in the with season, these lines. The um, because, again, look at what happened with Ohio State and Maryland, right? right. That game. Michigan didn't have a great game no. in their own right against Indiana. They struggled a bit out of the gate, but by the second half, their defense clicked in and they kind of were in the driver's seat for the whole second half. We'll have to see what happened to Chase Winovich, though. Right. That's, didn't look very good. That might move the line, too, because as we saw very clearly in the Northwestern Michigan game this year, Winovich is a playmaker on the defensive line, and they cannot afford to have him out. They lost Rashawn Gary for a period in that game, not a huge period, but Gary was out of that game against Northwestern as well. So losing one or both of those guys was an absolutely huge blow for Michigan. They're both really good. And that's something I think that could change the odds in this game too uh, against Ohio State. You're going to want both of those guys on the field. My initial reaction to this, I think I agree with Vegas saying that Michigan's the better team, but the minus four for a road team, I'm kind of with you, Tim. That feels like too much uh, to Michigan. Not enough respect to this, the talent on that Ohio State team. I feel like it's still an overreaction to what we've seen from Ohio State. They've had some close scares. Not even a scare. They just got they got run by Purdue. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. They've, had, they've had some scares at times this year, too. But, man, the talent on both sides of the ball. What did they run for last week? 200-something yards? Yeah, something like that. It's, and, I mean, T.J. McFarlane, the Maryland running back, ran for 300 himself. So... Uh, talk about a scare. I mean, he almost put Maryland in the end zone in the first overtime himself. They he was just a yard short, and they had to run it in separately. But, I mean, Ohio State seems beatable, question mark. Uh, and By Ohio State standards. Exa- precisely, <laughs> precisely. That's the yeah. thing, is that they seem beatable, and yet they're 10-1 and one and they're the number 10 team in the country going into this week's rankings. So, <laughs> yeah. The question, you know, around Northwestern fans after they have, you know, known for the last week or so that they were going to be going to Indianapolis is who would you rather play between Michigan or Ohio State? And my answer has been neither. I don't really want to play (laughs) either of them. They're both really, really good. Yeah. I think Ohio State's offense overall is far better. I don't think there's any 
uh, any room for argument there, but Michigan's defense is far better as well. There's yep. no room for argument on that side either. So, so that's a good point. Yeah, would you what 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 do you which matchup do you think favors Northwestern more? Going up against the team with a better defense and worse offense, or the better offense and worse defense? I guess it's a really really great question. I think in a vacuum, ignoring previous results this season, I think Northwestern would prefer to be in a low scoring game against a really good defense. Mm-hmm. Try to win it on you know one miracle player on a field goal, you know, game winning play, something like that. So you know, bring some elements back into the vacuum. My short answer is I think Northwestern would prefer to play a team like Michigan. They played them really well for a lot of the time. They did. Three quarters of the game, really, Northwestern played as well, if not better, than Michigan earlier this year. But then that just extra quarter, Michigan was by far the better team, deserved to win earlier this year in Evanston. So I think, you know, short answer to the question, I think Northwestern would rather play a team like Michigan than a team like Ohio State. The thing that scares me with Michigan, undoubtedly, you already talked about it, it's the defense. And I think in that first game, it was after a few minutes into the second quarter, Northwestern put up seven, they had 17 points on the scoreboard. Uh, then Michigan de- Michigan's defense locked in. Northwestern did not score the rest of the game. Yep. The thing that worries me about that is, what if Michigan's defense is still locked in for Northwestern heading into that game next week? Sure. There's a chance that if Northwestern plays Michigan, Northwestern will not score in that game. I don't think there's a chance that happens with Ohio State. Um, the question then on Northwestern is how healthy is their defense? They're down key members of their secondary right now. Nate Hall banged up as well in that linebacking core. There's some question marks on that side of the ball. But if Northwestern's defense is up for it and they can just kind of slow down Ohio State, not stop them, they're going to get some points. But if you slow them down, you got your senior quarterback playing in a dome in Clayton Thorson. I feel like you got to trust that at some point, and that makes me lean towards wanting Ohio State more in this game. But, Tim, you nailed it saying that they're both top 10 teams in the country for a reason. These aren't teams you want to be playing. But, I mean, I'm saying Ohio State I think might give the edge to Northwestern in that matchup. I agree with you completely. That is actually what I've been saying for the last couple of weeks is that I personally I think would rather Northwestern play Ohio State because I think they are more exposable. Maryland is not very good. I, you know, I support them, what they can do on the field after all of the fun and games, to put it very uh, irreverently, all the fun and games that have happened to them over the course of the last 12 months or so. So I fully support Maryland, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, they're not a great football team. Uh, and they really pushed Ohio State, obviously should have won on a two-point conversion in overtime. And obviously, as we've seen, you know, Purdue lit them up not too long ago, and Michigan's only losses to Notre Dame, which we've seen firsthand, is one of the best teams in the country. I would rather Northwestern play Ohio State because I think they're more beatable. I think Northwestern style of play would prefer to play a team with the style yep. of play of Michigan. I'm 100% with you on that one. That's all the time we have on It's a Fake. Thank you very much, Tim Hackett, for joining me this week. Always a pleasure. Tim will be sticking around with you for Stats or for Losers coming up after, after this break. Uh, until then, have a great night, everyone, and enjoy your holiday week. Giordano's of Evanston is three.